in homeopathy, we're, we're, um, the body has a natural ability and tendency to want to heal. It wants to be restored. That's philosophically how we think in homeopathy about health. So if you cut your finger, for example, not too deep, of course, but naturally it'll heal itself. Right. You don't have to do anything. So the body's always trying to seek wholeness and restoration. So we just use that tendency of the body um, to really, we just augment it, we stimulate it, we enhance it. Um, so rather than trying to, as I mentioned, eliminate just one symptom from the throat, first strep throat, let's say, we're actually trying to activate the body's own natural mechanisms to just deal with it, handle it. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is um, m- it, most of the time an antibiotic will be effective at eliminating a strep throat, but the body's sort of susceptibility to strep throat doesn't change. In mm-hmm. fact, it might even get worse if because we're just suppressing that symptom. We're not actually alleviating it. And so um, in homeopathy, that's our goal is to really remove someone's susceptibility to certain kinds of illnesses. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Noel Peterson. He's the founder of the Austin Clinic of Homeopathy. Thank you so much for being here with me. It's my pleasure, Karina. Thank you. Definitely. So, you know, when I think about homeopathic medicine, I think about strengthening our immune system and helping to teach our immune system to function. But can you talk a little bit more about what homeopathic medicine is? Absolutely. I'm happy to. Um, So the way I first describe homeopathy is it's both the art and science of healing. And the explanation of that is a little deeper. Uh, But I think it's the art of healing in the sense that no two people are alike. So somebody could come to my office with, let's say, uh, childhood ear infections, let's just as an example. But Mm -hmm. um, the homeopathic remedy that child may need is might be totally different than another child who has recurring ear infections as well. So we individualize it to the person and not necessarily to the condition. Um, And I think it's the science of healing in that we do follow really distinct principles of healing and um, that are replicable and uh, depending on or regardless of the practitioner. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's both the art and science of healing and it's, uh, it's restorative. So we're, we're working to help the body heal itself rather than uh, eliminate a symptom. We're actually helping the body restore its own vitality and, and find its own way back to wellness. And can you talk a little bit, you said the principles of healing, maybe share? Sure, sure. So that really cuts uh, straight to the core of homeopathy and what differentiates it from anything else. Mm -hmm. And that is um, the word itself, homeo, or um, homeopathy is two words, homeo and pathy. Homeo means similar, pathy means disease. So we follow what's called the law of similars in homeopathy. So people who are listening to this or coming to homeopathy and wanting to know about it, you don't have to understand what the law of similars is, but just as a modality, it is what differentiates homeopathy from anything else. Um, So, uh, but that's really kind of the the big thing. And um, we're also looking to make sure that we give the minimum amount of remedy or homeopathic remedy as necessary to make sure that the body heals itself. So that's another principle. Um, And, uh, but again, fundamentally, the law of similars, and I could expand on that if you want me to, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, sure, please. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, yeah, as I mentioned, homeopathy is, um, it's really was kind of discovered by accident. 
in uh, the late uh, excuse me, 1700s by Dr. Samuel Hahnemann. And uh, Dr. Hahnemann was pretty disgruntled with the medical practices of the time, which was using a lot of mercury and um, bloodletting and things like that. So he thought there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. He knew about kind of folk healing traditions and using herbs and things in nature uh, to help the body. So, um, but he was a medical doctor, so he was still practicing medicine in that in that time. But at uh, at the time, malaria was running rampant in in his region, and so what was used to treat malaria was quinine. Quinine is made from the bark of a tree. Mm-hmm. So he thought, well. What if I don't have malaria, but I actually take some of that quinine? What then happens? And he actually started to exhibit symptoms of malaria. So it was a peculiar observation. And what he found is that, well, what if, um, what if I take that flower or that substance in nature and uh, prepare it through a dilution process to kind of remove the toxicity of it? Mm-hmm. But I put it in my body, and he started recording symptoms. And those same symptoms that he found from, let's say, let's just say the element sulfur, for example, Um, those same symptoms that he started to get when he took a little bit of sulfur are the same symptoms that it'll cure in somebody who's naturally occurring from those same symptoms. So that's a lot of similars. Like I said, it's very complicated. You don't have to understand it, but that's how it differentiates homeopathy from, let's say, crude herbs or vitamins or minerals or supplements like that. Um, is using the law of similars. Okay. So to go back to that example of childhood ear infections, because, you know, when you came in today, I asked you, what are the common <laughs> things that you see? And you mentioned, you know, autism, you know, chronic ear infections, chronic strep throat. So I just thought it would be sure. really interesting for you to maybe flesh out, uh, taking that example of ear infections, maybe the, you know, kind of uh, sequence of events to figure out how you're going to help that patient. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take a a recent example, Um, three-year-old boy, and he was brought into the office because of that, chronic ear infections, been happening since around 18 months old. Um, And what I'll do during a consultation is just get as um, specific as I can about what those symptoms are. So in other words, is it the left ear? Is it the right ear that has ear infection? Was it the left ear that moved to the right ear or vice versa? Um, is there any discharge coming out or, or not? And um, did it come on with a cough or a cold or other symptoms? Um, what's the disposition of the child? Are they cranky and irritable and capricious? Or um, are they really subdued and with a lot of malaise? You know, mm-hmm. taking into account all the mental, emotional, and physical symptoms mm-hmm. will paint the holistic picture for me. And then that, again, will point me in the direction as to what specific homeopathic remedy will help support his system the best to recover and get well. Okay. So. so then taking that law of similar, so to speak, uh, you mentioned that that's kind of what differentiates it from typical herbal medicine. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure, sure. So um, let's just take herbal medicine, uh, herbs. I, I, To be frank, I'm not that familiar with like what herb will do what. Mm-hmm. That is different than homeopathy. But what I can say is that usually you take an herb for maybe one or two conditions. Like, um, we'll just take ear infections, take an herb for ear infections, rather than getting very specific and individualized, as I just mentioned. So um, all of those symptoms that I just talked about, let's say it's a left-sided ear infection, and it's been recurring monthly for 12 months. Um, 
the child is, uh, as I mentioned, capricious, irritable, um, things like that. No, kids are never like that. <laughs> so I might, in that instance, consider the homeopathic remedy called chamomile. So chamomile is actually an herb as well, right. but when you um, prepare it homeopathically, um, it'll really help with all of those symptoms. And so that's using kind of the law of similars there where, um, again, you're individualizing it to the holistic picture of mm-hmm. all of all of what's going on rather than just like ear infections, meaning just the condition itself. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I know that I've seen, you know, homeopathic remedies in the drugstore or, you know, there's lots of different products now that are online available. What's your general feeling about, you know, over-the-counter homeopathics? Sure. I think... There's probably a, a couple purposes that serves. I think it helps to kind of bring homeopathy a little bit more to the forefront of people's minds that, mm-hmm. oh, there is an alternative. I don't have to resort to an antibiotic that, yeah, sure, it'll take care of things for a while, but it doesn't ever get to the root of things or mm-hmm. heal totally. Um, so I think it does does good to get the word out, if you will. Um, and then if you you know, work with a, a homeopath, a professional homeopath like myself or anybody else, um, we're going to individualize treatment. So maybe those over-the-counter remedies have a bunch of different homeopathic remedies combined or together, whereas if you work with a professional homeopath, we're going to find one that'll fit the whole the whole picture. So right. that over-the-counter remedy may or may, not, may or may not help, mm-hmm. whereas if you get a good remedy um, individualized to the situation in person, then it'll absolutely work really fast. Okay. (laughs) And that makes perfect sense, you know, just in general, whether you're going and getting um, a lot of different homeopathic over-the-counters or even getting into the more, uh, like, typical over-the-counter drugs that we think about, like antibiotics and anti-inflammatories, et cetera, um, it definitely makes sense that if somebody's really getting a clear picture of the patient, And, you know, here on the podcast, we talk a lot about um, functional medicine or holistic healing, just looking at the whole person and really recognizing that all the different systems work together. Uh, So that makes perfect sense that you're able to, you know, be a lot more effective when you're coming at it from a much more targeted and personalized perspective. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about, you know, I think probably antibiotics are the most you know, common uh, drug that people reach for when there's, like you said, ear infections or illness, sure. uh, certainly cold and flu. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so an- another, I guess, common thing that um, folks will, you know, and, and really all of us are using the tools that we have. Um, I actually practice out of a medical clinic um, in Cedar Park. So I often talk with a lot of the nurse practitioners, medical doctors on staff, and everybody's using the tools that they have, but it, a lot of times just comes down to antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So they're very often asking me questions. Um, I have a you know, patient, they have strep throat. Uh, what would you recommend? Um, and and that's, that's great, again, because there's more exposure, more interest mm-hmm. generated with homeopathy, but it, it's also not so easy and clear-cut. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll need to actually sit down with the person and uh, understand even the sensation of the pain, like, for example, strep throat. Um, is it a stabbing pain? Is it a dull, achy pain? You know, that'll differentiate which homeopathic remedy will help them best. So um, I do think that homeopathic remedies do provide an alternative to antibiotics in that regard. I think that was your question. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, we, we just have to approach it in a little bit more individualized way. Um, and in spite of that, even, I do think 
modern medicine is kind of moving that direction too with gene therapies and understanding the genomes and, you know, um, understanding that we all don't react or respond to medicine in the totally the exact same way. So um, I think conventional medicine is also now kind of moving into this direction of individualized treatment. So perhaps homeopathy will kind of snap into that progress too. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but well, There's definitely a lot of, you know, I think skepticism about homeopathic mm. remedies. And, you know, I think a lot of that, um, at least from what it sounds like, is that, you know, in order to have the most effective homeopathic treatment, it's going to require you spending some time with the patient. And it definitely feels in our, you know, mainstream medical uh, system as it is right now, that they're trying to get through patients more quickly. And there definitely tends to be this, like, if this symptom, then that drug kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's really common. Um, And I think a lot of people at this point are, you know, getting you know, a little disenchanted maybe with that system because either the mainstream medications haven't worked for them or they create a bunch of other unwanted side effects. And so the desire for a more natural, less invasive solution is definitely becoming uh, more widespread. Um, To talk a little bit more about, you know, antibiotics and, and, and why people might want to seek an alternative to the typical antibiotic treatment, um, how does homeopathic medicine help the person heal maybe more easily or more quickly? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the system of medicine, let's say conventional medicine, is to really just to try to eliminate a symptom from a specific part of the body. Um, so I know we're talking about antibiotics. So I'll just keep going with that. Um, it's very often used to do that, just eliminate all the everything ultimately in right. the system, but particularly bacteria that could be causing a, an illness. Um, in homeopathy, we're, we're, um, the body has a natural ability and tendency to want to heal. It wants to be restored. That's philosophically how we think in homeopathy about health. So if you cut your finger, for example, not too deep, of course, but naturally it'll heal itself. Right. You don't have to do anything. So the body's always trying to seek wholeness and restoration. So we just use that tendency of the body um, to really, we just augment it, we stimulate it, we enhance it. Um, so rather than trying to, as I mentioned, eliminate just one symptom from the throat, first strep throat, let's say, we're actually trying to activate the body's own natural mechanisms to just deal with it, handle it. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is... Um, most of the time an antibiotic will be effective at eliminating a strep throat, but the body's sort of susceptibility to strep throat doesn't change. In Mm -hmm. fact, it might even get worse if, because we're just suppressing that symptom. We're not actually alleviating it. And so, um, in homeopathy, that's our goal is to really remove someone's susceptibility to certain kinds of illnesses. So I think once you are taking a remedy, it might immediately help with whatever it is you got, you have going on. But then it also, in a general way, uh, helps you become less susceptible to getting sick again later. So it's kind of like a healing from the inside out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes have thought about it because um, certainly this concept of like boosting your own immune system is something that, um, you know, makes a lot of sense to me um, from a holistic perspective and, you know, talking about uh, not only helping to, you know, help your body overcome this one particular issue you're having now, but in general, like, how do we strengthen your immune system so you're not as sick later? 
So from, you know, from that perspective, could you say that homeopathic medicine is coming in? It's like uh, building up your own defenses, giving your own immune system that uh, either information it needs or strength it needs to just function better and get rid of those foreign invaders or pathogens. I think so. That's probably a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, it's kind of like the difference between um, boosting your system, your defense mechanisms, is that your body kind of gets educated on how to then respond differently the next time. Mm -hmm. If it's encountering, I don't know, whooping cough, let's say, in the environment, it's, we're all exposed to the same pathogens, but it's the stronger systems that aren't going to fall ill. So it is about having just that strong interior healing from the inside rather than um, um, just trying to destroy the entire system inside. And I think for, you know, for people who do uh, get sick frequently, you know, it tends to be something that it, you know, almost feels like a little feedback loop. Like they start getting sick. Oftentimes when you do the health history, you find out that they've had a history of coming down with colds and flus and things that tend to last a long time. They get them several times a year. So it's almost like a compounded effect of there was already something going on with their immune system initially it was not functioning well enough to to fight those things off um and then over the years taking antibiotics over and over again like what happens to your system if you're always taking antibiotics yeah no that's so true and and when you're asking that question it makes me also think about what i just generally see i know we're kind of talking a lot about children's health and um and things if um, if if somebody is just kind of taking antibiotics, let's say, and don't they don't really restore the system, and they're compromised every single time they take a, a drug like that, um, it's going to set themselves up to that future susceptibility to deeper pathology. Meaning, if you have a child, let's say, is young and they have recurring ear infections, always treated with antibiotics, very often you'll start to see respiratory ailments um, a couple years later because a more uh, I guess more uh, priority organ rather than um, the ear would be the lungs. You can't live without your lungs, but you can live without an ear. So the pathology then travels deeper if it's suppressed with like an antibiotic in this example. So that's what you start to see a little bit more as deeper pathology, respiratory problems, asthma, allergies. Um, And again, if left um, unaddressed with homeopathy, it then gets a little even deeper. Maybe you start to see more behavioral issues. There could be even tics, um, neurological issues, behavioral, behavior issues. So we just kind of see the trajectory of, of, um, of the pathology to head down that way um, when somebody is chronically ill like that or mm-hmm. from acute illness, but then it turns into much more chronic, deeper pathology. So... Often we do see folks come into homeopathy once that process is already over. <laughs> so we have to really kind of unravel the whole thing and, um, and get them well. And it, it takes a little bit longer. So that's why I'm an advocate of get kids, you know, doing homeopathic remedies as early as possible. Right. So that is really fa- fascinating that you mentioned asthma and allergies because I think of those as just two of these really incredibly common conditions. It seems like almost everyone you talk to will, oh, I have allergies, I have <laughs> asthma. So you're saying that... You know, for the people listening who maybe are suffering from asthma and allergies, they could even maybe think back to when they were a kid and, 
you know, what was their use of antibiotics like? And maybe if they've been constantly, you know, using those broad spectrum antibiotics that go in, they kill whatever they're meant to kill, whatever's making you sick, but then they also kill all of your good bacteria that your body needs. It's actually could be what's predisposing them to now have those respiratory issues yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I think that goes along with the susceptibility point I was making before. It just we see that a lot. That's how we, I think, view health really in homeopathy is is one's level of susceptibility. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, to your point, um, if uh, if unaddressed, it'll just kind of set themselves up for deeper pathology and worse pathology moving moving ahead. And um, and we don't like to see that. But yeah, if you look at your own health history and especially in the, in this area of Austin, Texas, you see allergies a ton. Yep. And so there's people are just susceptible to that. Um, and so, but it's, it's workable in homeopathy, no doubt. So even for somebody who's maybe listening and they're going, you know, they have asthma or allergies mm-hmm. or something like that. And they're, they did have that, you know, strong use of antibiotics through childhood. What is homeopathic medicine able to offer them now sure. to maybe help yeah. to undo some of those effects? Yeah. So it would be the same. Uh, my approach would be the same regardless of, um, how old the person is or what they're coming in for. Mm-hmm. And that's just to individualize, you know, the, the case um, to the person uh, based on their whole symptoms. But uh, in terms of promise, there's absolute promise with homeopathy, even in those situations. It might take a little longer for their body to really kind of come out of that and be less and less susceptible. Um, but it's absolutely it's, – I see it all the time in adults as well as older kids or even, you know, really young kids too. Can you talk a little about, you keep, you know, kind of mentioning this word susceptibility. (laughs) What are some, uh, you know, maybe factors in, you know, diet or lifestyle or whatever that maybe affect a person's susceptibility (laughs) to illness? I think, um, at least from a homeopathic perspective, um, we're, we're really trying to eliminate any suppression going on in that person's life, meaning, um, it, I know we've been really talking a lot about antibiotics. So antibiotics will suppress the symptom. It'll kind of eliminate all everything in there, but it's just suppressing it. It's not actually really uh, rejuvenating the system. Right. So um, we think that the more you're suppressed, uh, and this could even be mentally and emotionally. Um, me- mentally, let's say you're in an abusive relationship. That could create physical pathology. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's kind of suppression going on or or... That's, that's more maybe a trauma, but if undealt with or suppressed, then it can create physical pathology. So um, we just see that, you know, I don't have a measuring stick about how susceptible somebody is, right? right. But, but that's kind of theoretically how I'm looking at things. Um, and uh, just to sort of keep going down that example, um, I had an adult who came to my office for um, deep itching of the skin. Um, doctors couldn't officially diagnose what the heck it was. Uh, wasn't eczema, wasn't, uh, lice, wasn't, uh, really anything. And that's often I hear that. I hear that, uh, you know, doctors just can't find the diagnosis, right? And that's okay in homeopathy. We don't need to have the diagnosis. We just need to know what your signs and symptoms are. So the more I learned about her though, it was, um, she was an immigrant and, um, moved to this area. Um, didn't like it one bit. Mm. In fact, hated it. Um, didn't feel at home. Missed missed her home uh, heritage and culture, yeah. and um, it created 
a deep itching problem for her. So that's wow. where she was susceptible was uh, on the skin. Um, it it could have showed up differently. It could have showed up with recurring UTIs, for example. It could have showed up in any way. Right. Uh, but that's how her body exhibited it. And so... And that's, again, how the kind of mind or mental and emotional sphere impacts our physical sphere, too. So we're looking at things in that holistic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, that hopefully paints another picture of susceptibility in, a, yeah. in another way. So when you mentioned suppressors, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind is anti-inflammatories, probably right up there with antibiotics among some of the most prescribed things. You think about um, prednisone, a really common anti-inflammatory. Would that be considered yeah. you know, suppressing the system? Yes. In fact, um, most of what I see, let's say, would be like cortisone for those skin conditions that I was talking about. So mm-hmm. any kind of corticosteroid, um, little kids who have eczema and this, keep going with that example. Um, homeopathy is very, very helpful for kids with eczema. In fact, I have a lot of clinical su- uh, success with that. Um, but it's a little bit more difficult if it's suppressed with those steroids. Mm-hmm. Treatment lasts longer. Treatment's less effective. Um, we can work through it, but um, in the case of eczema, it can erupt so fiercely, and it's so miserable for not only the child, but the parents who have to deal with it all night long. So often it's, it's kind of a learning process for the parents, too. Um, how much can I use of this corticosteroid, and how can I sort of taper off? And, and that's kind of a, a way we sort of navigate treatment, or how I work with parents in that, in that way. Um, can't remember what you asked to get there, but... No, well, you know... <laughs> For me, you know, I, I think about, you know, anti-inflammatory, you know, inflammation is mm-hmm. just your immune response. So essentially steroids are suppressing your own immune function. Would that be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so to me, from a holistic health coach perspective, I just immediately that kind of rubs me the wrong way, so to speak. I can see where, you know, well, why would you want to be suppressing the immune system? Your immune system is supposed to be there working for you. So then it maybe raises this question of why does our immune system become confused? Why does our immune system uh, lose its strength to combat simple things like colds and ear infections and things like that? That's a really deep question. So, (laughs) um, and I'm sure there's a lot of answers to that. Um, But again, just broadly speaking, I'd see if um, probably the immune system may get confused if it's been mucked with too much, with too many medications, over, over-prescribed medications, or things like that. You're right, it confuses the entire, you know, um, one word I haven't used yet until now is called the vital force. And that's really in homeopathy how we see vitality or that healing intelligence of the body. So if we're suppressing the system too much with medications or anti-inflammatories or, or whatever, and not augmenting its own na- natural inherent ability, you know, we're really disturbing the vital force a lot. And so... You know, it's going to be very difficult for the vital force to respond to a homeopathic remedy in the way it should. Mm-hmm. It can be corrected over time, but I think at that level, you're probably more into chronic illness and not necessarily acute illness anymore. So, and that's mainly what I do in my practice anyhow, is more chronic illness stuff. Right. And then what about like the over-the-counter anti-inflammatory things? People think about um, Tylenol, Advil, I mean, those kind of over-the-counter pain medications are so common now. Um, do you think that those, you know, have that kind of suppressing effect that maybe is actually yeah. hurting the person's immune function? I do, <laughs> in fact. Uh, but, um, and, and there's actually still no clinical evidence or research suggesting, you know, antipyretics are 
helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, did, we still don't have that support. Uh, sure, it suppresses the system, but uh, Tylenol still isn't, you know, uh, really well studied. So, right. but um, yeah, it, to, to bring it to homeopathy, though, um, it's a very big topic in homeopathy is fevers, you know, yeah. the, the necessity of a fever or um, just grab the Tylenol or ibuprofen or what, or, you know, what should I do in this instance? Um, fortunately, there's a lot of answers in homeopathy for that, um, but it, 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 we have to educate the parents a lot that fevers aren't necessarily bad. Right. Some, you know, there's, there's limits to that um, in terms of the health of the person and how high the fever is, et cetera, and I go through all that with parents. But, um, but often if a child takes a homeopathic remedy and they get, have a little fever, 101, 102, even 103, um, I very often tell the parents, let this ride out. You know, I'll be there with you to, to kind of work with you on what might be happening, but that's actually a good thing. The body's vital force responded, and it's having a vital, you know, immune response. So right. on the other side of that, we're going to have a lot of health benefits, but we've got to just wait it out a little bit. Right, because and fever is kind of your, uh, you know, an expression of your immune system yeah. function, right? That's the right. fever is there to try and help the body heal. That's right. And I think for parents, you know, it's... You know, it's definitely scary when your child starts running a fever. Mm-hmm. So just getting into that, you know, one realm of helping them understand, you know, like here's the area where the fever is in a dangerous zone, we need to do something, and then here's like the area where the fever is probably there for a reason, and we don't want to just come in and externally suppress the fever right. or externally suppress the immune function. As much as possible. However... However, I do work with parents wherever they're at. So if they're coming mm-hmm. from a school of thought where I grew up on Tylenol, I give my child Tylenol, I'm not going to be very directive with them. Like, no, don't do that. Do this instead. It, I don't do that. Um, but if parents are questioning it and they're wondering how to, you know, here they are in homeopathy, maybe it's their first visit ever with a homeopath, I will educate as much as I can. So there definitely is that sort of partnership that develops too in this. And I love that it just kind of seems like you have a very, um, you know, like complementary perspective. You know, you're trying to work with whatever other interventions that parent or patient, you know, wants to have. So if there are, um, you know, drugs that have been prescribed or like you said, they're just used to using things like Tylenol and that or whatever, that you're happy to kind of uh, work with them and whatever those other things they're taking rather than trying to say, okay, we got to throw everything out mm-hmm. and like, you know, because that can Definitely. be very, that can be very difficult. And certainly, um, you know, for a patient with a health concern, you know, which is a very uh, fearful place to be in in the first place, um, it can be scary to like yeah. throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah, so we to don't, speak. We don't want to do that. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely a lot of anxiety with, um, with if you're new to homeopathy and you're working with your child and whatever they need, yeah, there's lots of lots of anxiety and new parent anxiety. I've been through that myself as a parent, mm-hmm. so I totally get it. And that's why I think right. we'll, we'll just be a partner and, and walk you through how to how to change your child's health for the better. So one of the other things you had mentioned before uh, before the cameras were rolling was that you've worked with some patients who've been trying to lose weight. That's a really big topic on our channel. Um, so I was wondering if you could maybe speak a little bit to that, because I don't typically think about weight loss and homeopathic medicine. Right. Yeah, 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 at the risk of sounding too gimmicky, you know, um, but homeopathy does help for weight loss. Um, the approach, though, 
is different than, uh, you know, it's not like take this homeopathic remedy to lose weight because we're not targeting a biochemical pathway or trying to suppress the appetite. That's, that's not how homeopathy works. Um, instead, um, it would be the same approach I, as I was mentioning earlier for anybody I work with. You know, we start with whatever it is that brings the person into the, into the office, and then it's a matter of really just getting to know them as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, once I have what I think to be a good uh, homeopathic remedy that will cover as much of the signs and symptoms as possible, um, because it works as kind of a stimulant to the vital force, when you take a remedy, sometimes you just feel better, you feel well, you feel you have more energy, and from that place of wellness, um, it's a whole lot easier to get up and walk 20 minutes. Right. Or um, most of the time, people know what they should be eating. It's just the sort of doing it part. Right. And so I think, again, from that place of wellness that you get once you're on a good homeopathic remedy, mm-hmm. um, choosing to eat like that is way easier. You don't right. feel like you're missing that other stuff, or maybe your cravings actually do change rather than wanting ice cream at 10 p.m. Um, you're okay cutting it off at 7 p.m. and just not having anything. So in that regard, it's not prescriptive in eat like this, exercise like this. Um, Unless a homeopath has additional training in that, Mm -hmm. then that's their prerogative. But usually it's a matter of Folks know what they need to do, mm-hmm. and then once they take a good remedy, um, it's a whole lot easier to actually make those choices uh, because you have the energy to do it, right. and you feel better about doing it. And as I mentioned, I have seen where people take a good remedy, and they're craving foods differently. So again, it's sort of like this: the vital force is responding well, and um, and then from that place, you know, weight loss happens. So again, it's it's uh, not so much suppress the appetite with this remedy or take this and it'll do that to this biochemical pathway. It's more take this remedy to restore wellness and weight loss will happen. (laughs) And, you know, again, it sounds very similar to, you know, kind of the philosophy of functional medicine, like support the body in all of the ways that it wants to be functioning you know, naturally, normally in a healthy Mm -hmm. system. And then all of these other things start to fall into place. And, you know, clearly, um, Looking at our culture, I mean, we could talk about the the stress components, what's in the food, what's in the processed yeah. foods, and just the fact that people are living pretty, you know, sedentary but high-stress lifestyles, you know, and what that creates for the system, unfortunately, tends to be a weakened immune system, tends to be the endocrine system is not able to function, so either there's, like, thyroid or adrenal issues or just you know, as simple as the person just doesn't have any energy. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you see a lot? I guess that'd be like mm-hmm. chronic fatigue yeah. type of symptoms. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of um, modalities that help with that. And homeopathy certainly is one. I have a lot of folks in my own practice who have um, hypothyroidism mm-hmm. or uh, variations of that, uh, just endocrine um, issues in general. So, um you know, very often you'll see if it's a, a woman, very often there'll be menstrual irregularities that accompany it because of the endocrine role and all of it. So I see a lot of that. Um, but yeah, it's really when, again, I know I probably said this a lot, but you know, when, when order is restored to the system and the vital force is, is strong and well, um, all of the systems are opti- you know, uh, functioning more optimally. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned that you brought some homeopathic remedies with yeah. you. Can you maybe walk us through a couple of those? Sure. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I um, I brought a kit, but I know there's folks listening to this without being able to see it. So I, I won't necessarily pull it up. You but can, you can show it if you like. Okay. We also have uh, the video versions are available okay. on uh, wellnessplus.tv for anybody who wants to join us on video. All right. Um, and then just for our uh, listening audience, um, basically we've just pulled out a little kit here. There's a lot of little, pretty tiny little vials here. Yep. Got a lot so. of different things. Yeah. So These, yeah, I was just sorry to interrupt you there. Um, so these blue vials, these blue little uh, two-dram vials are very very much the ones you'll find at local retailers. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a kit that's a personal kit, and they have labels, but the size of it is um, two-dram little vial, um, and they're little pellets, basically, and that's all a homeopathic remedy is, are just these little pellets. Which, and honestly, that looks way more appealing than some of the giant pills <laughs> I've ever yeah. seen. Those are they, they little taste, tiny little <laughs> Yeah, they taste sweet, so kids actually like them. Cool. So they they like to chew on them. Um, you can take a homeopathic remedy um, just directly uh, orally in the mouth, uh, ideally sublingually or under the tongue. You let the, these little pellets dissolve. I also have a a two or excuse me one ounce dropper bottle. So sometimes homeopathic remedies are these liquid um, versions, and uh, but again. The blue vials are probably what you're going to see. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not endorsing this per, this distributor, but that's um, Boron is probably the the name everybody knows if you go to the stores. Okay. Uh, that's who makes those little blue vials. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of, you know, probably the more common remedy that you might hear of if you're learning about homeopathy is a remedy called arnica. Mm -hmm. So um, it's probably where people start if they're learning about homeopathy or they're self-treating or they had an injury and they go to the store and pick something up for themselves. They've probably picked up Arnica. Right. Um, it's our good gateway homeopathic remedy, I guess. Uh, and it's very helpful for kind of bruised blunt force trauma, meaning um, those parents who have kids at home who've, you know, kids have just bumped their head on the table mm -hmm. or um, fell off a swing or um, you know, those, those kinds of things. Arnica is really, really good to have around. It'll help the body recover much faster without uh, lingering bruises or um, particularly if there's a head injury. I, my own son fell off um, a high height and hit his head, no. immediately went to the Arnica, and really within a couple hours he was fine, back to normal. But, wow. you know, so it's things like that where um, Arnica can be very helpful. Specifically, though, about Arnica, it really needs to be a bruised blunt force trauma um, it's not just take Arnica for an accident, mm -hmm. but if there's kind of a blunt force trauma involved, Arnica is perfect for that. Um, so that would be probably one I could speak to. And there's lots and lots and lots of uses for Arnica, but that's probably the biggest one it's known for. Yeah, and I've definitely heard about, you know, Arnica for pain relief. Um, can you speak a little bit? I know you mentioned earlier um, about the dilution of homeopathic medicine as compared to herbal medicines. Can you maybe sure. speak a little bit to that? Absolutely. That's actually fundamentally what makes it a homeopathic remedy rather than an herb. So um, Arnica is a flower, um, and we could use herbal Arnica, meaning it's the crude form of it. Um, but in homeopathy, we actually dilute it using water and a little bit of alcohol used as a preservative. And... Um, you dilute it a certain amount, and then you just take one little drop of that, and you dilute it in another um, another alcohol water solution, and you just really kind of do that a whole bunch of times, depending on the potency of it you want. 
Um, and that's actually how homeopathic remedies are made. So sometimes you'll go to the store and you'll see Arnica 30C. Let's just take that example. That just means it's been diluted through a process 30 different times. Oh, wow. That's what the 30 means. And the C means that it's, um, it's a little bit more complicated to explain, but just that's the, the number is probably a, a more telling of how strong it is. Okay. So Arnica 30C versus Arnica 200C. The 200C is a stronger dose of it. Okay. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that's, again, what differentiates homeopathy from herbs uh, is the dilution process. Interesting. And then I know you talked earlier about the law of similars, but in taking this Arnica as example, can you talk about how, you know, why is taking such a diluted dose actually more uh, effective than having, you know, uh, an Arnica cream or something like that that's actually a higher dosage? Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's say an Arnica cream, it's usually diluted just a little bit, and then it's added to um, um, kind of like a base substance in that cream. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that's used topically, like right directly on the area. Um, but if, let's say, again, your child falls off the swing, they really hurt, maybe they hit, bump their head, mm-hmm. um, I think it's probably a little bit more systemic at that point, and, and it's not just that one little part of the body that you can apply something directly. So I think the, you know, the, the pellets would probably be a better option. Um, in terms of the law of similars, um, so I, I mentioned Arnica can be very helpful for bruised blunt force trauma, but very often, too, in a mental, emotional way, the person may think they're fine. So if you've ever had somebody get hurt and they're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, don't bug me, that's kind of like an Arnica state where they don't feel like anything's wrong. Um, and when I say state, that's just sort of like where they're at and mentally and emotionally. So um, if you see that kind of type of trauma with that kind of mental response, um, chances are they need Arnica. Okay. Um, so, and then, but they could show up in a different ways where, boy, maybe they really hit their head and uh, really, really, really hard <laughs> and they're really subdued and just mm-hmm. malaise and just really not feeling well. And um, maybe they develop, if it's not dealt with, it could linger and maybe they're actually having some depression associated to it or even mental illness could happen after that. So that's a much more serious type of incident, but that's not Arnica anymore. That's now a different thing, even though it was from a blunt force trauma. So that's how you differentiate it, and that's how you use the law of similars with it. Interesting. And I think it just speaks to, you know, that even when you do have to take the the blunt trauma as an example, even though that is localized to a location, like there's an entire body reaction to that. Um, And clearly like the whole body probably kind of goes into that self-protective mode. Mm -hmm. You get that surge of, you know, cortisol or adrenaline or whatever is the body's kind of coming in to protect itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now this like one localized trauma has actually created like a full system response. Uh, and then again, speaking to how that person reacts, are they coming into that like, oh, I'm fine, <laughs> maybe kind of like passive aggressive thing, uh, and that that would actually have a different treatment than somebody who actually maybe becomes very lethargic yeah. and depressed. And- exactly. That's that's exactly right. That's how we how how we know it's you know again we're not treating the condition itself. In this case, just a, an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's it's again very individualized depending on how the person's experiencing things and what they're going through. So. Can you talk a little about the sulfur here? Because sure. I think about sulfur yeah. 
And I don't think of like a wonderful healing remedy. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you can explain sure. this one a little. Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, uh, we make homeopathic remedies um, from anything in nature. So they're mainly plants and simple minerals like sulfur or phosphorus or, um, um, you know, things like that. But uh, sulfur, you're right, it's not a really pleasant smelling thing. It, you know, if you've ever been to Sulfur Springs, it, is, it does not smell good. Right. Um, <laughs> But the remedy itself is an extremely useful homeopathic remedy for lots and lots and lots of different things. It's very, very commonly used. Um, just trying to think of a good example here, but um, sulfur is very helpful for kids. Uh, I brought up the example of eczema before. So any kind of skin eruption of any kind, uh, especially if it's kind of oozing a yellow, funky type of exudate, um, that's probably a good indication that person needs sulfur. So it's sulfur itself is kind of, if you think of the element, um, like I mentioned, that smell and mm -hmm. kind of yellowy and just, just kind of gross. So if the body's sort of showing symptoms in that kind of way, um, sometimes you can use the remedy that it looks like from nature. So, Interesting. Yeah, um, probably a thousand different uses for, for sulfur, um, but I've used it very successful even uh, for a, a gentleman uh, in his 50s who was suffering severe depression, but he also had um, enlarged prostate as a result. So again, it's sort of like, how does the mental and physical body interrelate with one another? Right. And that's what we try to do in homeopathy is figure that out. Well, based on the totality of his symptoms, I figured out he needed sulfur. And um, he took one dose of it and his prostate immediately shrunk. Um, he started dealing with a lot of the latent grief that was going on in his life. Mm. And so it was sort of that unraveling and as I mentioned, kind of like healing basically in his life. Right. Um, and uh, so sulfur is an amazing remedy too. I don't know. Feel free to ask me anything else about it. But. Oh, well, and I see you have a lot of remedies there. So sure. um, yeah, love to learn about some of these others. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, this the first one I'm grabbing here is called Apis. Um, and again, they all look the same. They're just these little round pellets, but they're derived from that source substance. Mm -hmm. Um Sometimes we actually make homeopathic remedies even from animal substances. Uh, in this case, this is made from bees. Oh. So this is very helpful for, um, let's say, uh, people who have hives. Um, but specifically, those hives need to look or feel like kind of burning, stinging sensation with it. Not all hives feel like that, but mm -hmm. the ones that do have that sensation, um, much like a stinging, like a bee sting. Mm -hmm. So if it feels like that, you can use apis to really, you know, to really help out. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> Another remedy that I have in this kit is called belladonna. And um, again, belladonna in its crude form is actually very toxic. And that's something that I didn't mention at this when you asked me about the dilution process. Um, we're diluting out any toxicity. So there's nothing, um, there's, there's no, nothing toxic about a homeopathic remedy. Um, it either is going to help stimulate your vital force to heal or it's not going to do anything. Um, either you resonate with it or you don't. So, so you don't have to worry about side effects in homeopathy. Um, so back to this example of belladonna, in its crude form, it's actually very toxic. Um, but some of our greatest homeopathic remedies happen to be things derived from very toxic substances. But again, we hyperdilute it, so there's physically no molecule of that substance left. Wow. But what's left behind is the energetic imprint of it. Um, and so that might be kind of hard to believe or understand, and that's okay. You don't have to understand it for it to work. 
Um, but belladonna is uh, historically very helpful for uh, people with scarlet fever. So you don't see that a whole lot anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually do have a recent case of that. And um, um, uh, the person took a few doses of belladonna and within two or three days, um, the whole thing was, was just about gone. So belladonna is very helpful in those situations. Interesting. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's definitely this, you know, component that, um, you know, you keep kind of mentioning the, uh, the relation between the physical and the emotional, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, again, is a really common thing that comes up in talking about holistic health and mm-hmm. holistic medicine and just this whole concept that, you know, when you get the physical manifestation of whatever the symptom is or mm-hmm. illness or whatever, um, that the body's just trying to communicate with you, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like pain is the ultimate uh, <laughs> or really the only way that our body has to to communicate with us. So this seems like a really interesting way of... Uh, like quite literally taking the physical manifestation and then using that as a uh, a clue, so to speak, to help you figure out what the body's needing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you that um, our signs and symptoms are um, meant to be worked with, not necessarily suppressed or, you know, going back to what you're talking about before, so that it's it's a sign that something's off and we just need to, you know, make it not off. And mm-hmm. uh um, so we do, yeah, in homeopathy, it's about augmenting that natural uh, rhythm of the, of the system and, um, yeah, not to suppress it, but help the body heal itself. Right. Can you maybe share some of these others in here? Sure. Um, what would be a good one here? So I uh, have another remedy in here called, uh, I brought this example up a little bit before, but chamomilla, another very, very helpful common remedy for kids. Um, what you'll find a child who let's, I know I've used the ear infection example, but it is very helpful for, um, any situation where a child is really capricious. They're really irritable and cranky. You give them a toy, they're pointing at that toy. They want that toy. You give them that toy and then they move it away. Um, maybe they're feeling just kind of sick. You know, maybe they, they, they do have some constipation or they're, they have a cold at that time. But if that mental emotional state is there, that, that kind of an irritability in a child, Chances are they need chamomilla to get through. Um, and uh, lots and lots of uses for chamomilla as well, uh, but that would be a pretty common use for it. Right. Um, and I think we, about chamomile tea, you know, mm-hmm. being a recommendation for, like, sleep, anxiety, things sure. like that. So yeah. is it similar for the homeopathic? A little different version? in that you're using the tea in a kind of crude herbal form. Uh, you're drinking the tea. Uh, but in, in a certain way, yeah, if you use it homeopathically... Um, you know, to help somebody calm down, they need to be in a state of not calm. So yes, you do give chamomile in that instance to help kind of calm them down. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, we talked a little bit about allergies before. So I'm seeing a remedy here called Allium Sepa, which is actually a remedy made from an onion. Um, if you've ever cut an onion, right? Who hasn't cut an onion? Who's watching or listening to this? Um, naturally, we know what happens. You start tearing up, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you're in kind of an acute allergic state where you're having allergies and that's a symptom you're having where there's tears coming down and, you know, uh, just watery, dripping eyes, um, if that's part of it, Allium Sepa might actually be a very good homeopathic remedy for you in that instance. Yeah. Because we'll experience allergies in lots and lots of different ways. It doesn't have to, there's not one way we have allergies. And so right. 
But if it's in that kind of specific symptom way, then allium sepa is probably going to help. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and again, you know, we talked about how common things like allergies, asthma, all of these yeah. things are nowadays, and people are just, you know, kind of constantly reaching for those over the counters to manage it, but rarely do uh, do they have that concept that like, oh, I could actually resolve this problem. I could actually <laughs> help my body, you know, overcome whatever is, you know, keeping me in that state of asthma or, yeah. you know, why is my body so susceptible to all these allergens mm -hmm. that I'm constantly with the runny nose and yeah. sore throat and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in Austin, we can feel so defeated that, you know, every year those cedar allergies come and I'm just, or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there is hope in homeopathy. So <laughs> very interesting. So, you know, to take that example of, you know, cedar allergies or something, mm -hmm. what, is there a homeopathic remedy like directly for cedar allergies? Um, we, um, a lot of times people use actually homeopathic remedies made from the cedar tree itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I've, I can't really speak to that. That's not how I use it. Again, I just individualize it to the person. So, right. so there could be 10 people in my office, all with cedar allergies, but they all may need 10 different things depending on the, right. the totality of the symptoms of the person. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, Noel, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the program, and I really look forward to uh, expanding <laughs> our discussion here. I definitely think that there is uh, so much to be gained, and just from that one simple piece of non-invasive, limited or no side effects, like your body's either going to respond positively to it, or there's no response yeah. at all, um, and that is just such... Uh, a breath of fresh air, so to speak, it, compared to what we're used to nowadays, which is, oh, you're going to take this medication and here's this really long list of side effects. Yeah. Um, and I know certainly for myself, it's been years since I've taken Tylenol or something like that because I noticed that after I would take it, I would just feel down in the dumps, really lethargic, mm -hmm. I have no energy. It was like, man, what is going on? <laughs> and then I started noticing that, you know, it was it was taking the Tylenol and stuff mm -hmm. for headaches. Sure. So then it was like, okay, I'd rather just live with the headache, <laughs> yeah. go to sleep or whatever, and then feel better tomorrow yeah. than, you know, mm -hmm. deal with the negative effects of that, you know, Tylenol. I hear basically. you. <laughs> so, um, so thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to having you on the program again. My pleasure, Karina. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you so much for listening today. Remember that you can find video versions of these podcasts on wellnessplus.tv, and you can also learn more about Noel by visiting the Austin Clinic of Homeopathy.com. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. To listen to this full interview for free right now, you can find the Wellness Plus podcast on your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and many more. I've got all the links you need down in the description below. To view the full video version of this interview, along with our entire library of content, subscribe to wellnessplus.tv. And if you want to help us keep this information free and help support our efforts in creating these podcasts and so much more, I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth. And remember that if you want to be alerted of our new YouTube videos, you've got to subscribe and click that notification bell. Thank you so much and we'll see you again soon. The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.